Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Lever Ball Show. And on this episode, I am joined by Natalie Nori. And Natalie is currently working in the NHL as the in arena host for the Boston Bruins. And uh, Natalie actually graduated UNH in 2021. And uh, since then, she's done some work in uh, Duluth, Minnesota with Fox. She's done some work for ABC6 in Rhode Island. She's done some uh, college and minor league sports on Nesson and ESPN+. And as I mentioned, most recently was called up to the big leagues with the Boston Bruins as their in-arena hosts. So, Natalie, first off, you know, you graduated college in 2021. Uh, you know, for an old person like me, I mean, I graduated college 200 years ago. But um, you're already with the Bruins as just a 2021 graduate. I mean, did you expect to, you know, get an NHL opportunity or an opportunity in major professional sports this quickly? Or did you not know what to expect when you first graduated UNH? Great questions. And, uh, you know, first of all, thank you for having me on and you've, you've done your research. So thank you. It's, it's really cool to hear all that reiterated, but, uh, yeah, you know, I did not expect this to happen at all. Um, going to UNH, we didn't have uh, really a broadcast program to speak of. We had a journalism major, but I wasn't super into, I guess, like the writing and literature side of things. So I went to the communication and sports studies side. And of course, being uh, somebody who grew up in New Hampshire, New England, following the Bruins was always, always something I loved to do. But, um, you know, I just wanted to get into hockey. So when I went to school, I decided to go to a place that had a pretty good program and was a part of a good conference. And Hockey East really stood out to me because there's a lot of great teams in the conference. Um, so going to UNH, I, I honestly didn't have many expectations at all. Um, I, I kind of got in with the hockey team my freshman year, producing videos, filming, um, doing that kind of stuff. And they asked if I'd be interested in reporting. So I kind of ended up taking that side of things. The school ended up receiving a deal with Nesson in 2019, 2018, I believe. Um, and my first game broadcasting was when I was 19 years old. And I think it was against Dartmouth. So it was kind of a cool New Hampshire matchup. But yeah, so from there, I decided to pursue the broadcast side of things and always wanted the opportunity with the Bruins. And, um, you know, it's not your traditional ringside reporting role, but it is like an in-arena hosting um, kind of entertainment, marketing, theatrics kind of side of things. So it's been really cool. Like you said, I kind of got a random call up one day and I was like, here's the opportunity. Let's uh, let's seize it. <laughs> Well, and were you doing anything with the Providence Bruins prior to, um, you know, when the NHL Bruins reached out to you or, um, you know, was that was your time at the NHL level, your first, uh, you know, experience with the Bruins organization as a whole? Yeah, um, good question, because it was funny when I was at ABC six in Providence, I lived a five minute walk away from uh, the amp is what they call it, where the Providence Bruins play. Um, and one of my best friends from college is their communication specialist. So I had I had the contacts, I had the location, but I actually didn't do any work with them. My first experience with the Bruins was NHL level. So not a lot of people can say that. Um, so I do realize how fortunate I was, but I will say it reflected the network that I had built in college because the manager of in-game presentation was somebody that I had done freelance production work with behind the scenes at UNH. 
Um, and luckily for him, he got, of course, another, you know, huge break with the call up to the NHL and just kind of having uh, friendships and networks like that really kind of helped me. So when I was in Providence, a few people suggested that I send my reel along and just say, hey, I'm local, I'm regional now, here is some of my work. Um, in case you guys are ever looking for anything. And I sent it along to, you know, my friend there. And um, it just so happened that an opportunity popped up. I don't even remember when, but it was it was just an event. It was the um, the BeFit Challenge for like first responders, firemen, police officers in Boston. And I got to host that. And then it led to games and more games and co-hosting. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. Okay, so you actually initially started uh, hosting events with them before you started doing the the in arena hosting. So it's kind of you're kind of like an event MC. Well, it was only one event, um, but yes, I guess they kind of brought me in. I think what happened is I was essentially I was essentially third on the list to come and do it because I had never I had never hosted before. I didn't have any of that experience, and it really is kind of out of comfort zone. I would say because for the past two years I had done news reporting, which is pretty, <laughs> pretty serious, sometimes pretty depressing. So you're really on like the melancholy side of things in news. Um, and then I got called up to do this event because, you know, a couple people could not um, be there for that. So they said, can you just help us out? I said, absolutely. I'll give it a try. Um, and I showed up and it was definitely awkward, um, definitely a step in a, a new direction for me. But at the end of the day, they said, would you have any interest in doing games for us if we needed somebody to fill in at some point? I said, sure. Like, I'd love to do games. That's exactly where I'd like to be. <laughs> so uh, the first game I was offered was against the Islanders. And um, I think I pretty much blacked out that whole day because of the nerves. But it 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 was really cool. It was awesome to get that that call up. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of relatable, though. You know, when you talk about like kind of like blacking out when you're on the air <laughs> or on the video board, like I wouldn't even say like I'm not really a nervous person, but it's funny, like when I go on air, like on TV, like I anticipate it so much. And I like think through it in my head, like how it's going to go so many times that when it, when you're actually doing it, I don't know if this is really able for you, but like when you're actually doing it, it just kind of flows and it's just kind of like a reflex, you know? And it's like, I, just the anticipation, I don't, at least for me, like I anticipate things so much that it's almost like a letdown when, I go on the air and it's like, I don't know. I don't know exactly blacking out is how I describe it, but I know what you're talking about. And I mean, eventually though, did it just kind of become second nature, you know, doing stuff in the TD garden once you'd done it enough times. Cause I know a lot of people will talk about like they were initially intimidated by the pro sports scene. And then once they were there for a while, it was no big deal. I mean, did it just kind of eventually become second nature? Yeah. And that's, my God, that's a really good point. Because if I get one question from the majority of like the youth who want to get into this kind of thing, they say, how do you deal with the nerves? How do you overcome the anxiety? And I also was a very contemplative person where I was visualizing hits before I was doing them on TV. Um, I would actually say news prepared me the most with talking to a camera and just kind of going with the flow because I went from market 142 in Duluth to market 52 in Providence. So it was, it was almost a hundred uh, market sizes. So the, the competition, the, the cutthroat deadlines, that kind of stuff was, was a lot more uh, prevalent in, in that size. So I, um, I kind of just got used to speaking to a camera. So I would look at this lens and I would say, it's just me, the camera and the control room that can hear me. I wouldn't try to, I would try not to think of any of other of the outside um, influences, who's watching at home, who's critiquing me. 
So that was one thing that I kind of got used to was just kind of speaking to the camera lens. But the crazy thing for me in the garden was, okay, all of a sudden you're speaking to a camera lens, but you can also hear your voice in the background as an echo and you're talking to almost 20,000 people. So it's, you know, public speaking was always kind of nerve wracking for me, but doing it in front of an audience like that was I was so nervous. I couldn't, I can't even explain what I was feeling because it was like hands were going numb. Um, my, I was getting like lightheaded and I was like, oh no, here comes the first hit. Um, and then you do it. And the, the funny thing that someone brought to my attention is when you're, when you're um, on a broadcast and you might be able to relate to this, you don't get the feedback immediately when you go on. When you're talking to an audience of that size and that stature, you get feedback right away. So as soon as I did that first hit with the uh, the Bruins versus the Islanders, I started walking up the stairs. The nerves were kind of shaking out at that point, And people from the audience started yelling, Natalie, you know, Natalie. And they were like, cheering me on, giving me knuckle bumps up the stairs. And I was like, oh my God, this is, this is pretty cool. So um, people there really get to know you quickly and uh, they start interacting with you and taking pictures with you. And pretty soon I came to realize that I'm, you know, not everybody pays attention to me, but like, as I walk around, they get to know me and it, you know, the show must go wrong <laughs> and the show must go on. So you kind of learn to just deal with things as they come and, um, the crowd size and the public speaking was definitely nerve wracking at first, but I think I've kind of gotten used to it now. I've gotten a few more games under my belt, so I think we're in better shape. <laughs> well, and you mentioned, you know, people started to recognize you and, you know, call out your name when you're out and about. I know you live in, in Portsmouth, so, you know, you're not living in Boston, but when maybe when you've been out and about in Boston, have any Bruins fans recognized you? You know, it's funny. I, I actually, I also do some work in Hockey East, and I would say a lot of the people who watch the Bruins games tend to watch Hockey East. It's it's quite, you know, a similar market. Um, but I guess just the other day when I was uh, at a Bruins game, it was actually Matt Grizzlick's dad came up to me, and he said, I was watching you the other night on the UNH versus the BU game. What a game was that? And it was crazy because I'm getting recognized by people I, I wouldn't normally know. And this was you know, a Bruins, I guess, quote unquote fan recognizing me from Hockey East. But I've also done games in Hockey East where people are in the stands and they say, hey, you were at the Bruins game. You you were doing the in arena stuff. And I, I was like, yeah. So I would say this year more. I mean, in total, I've been doing this for almost six years. But this year has been more uh, noticeable with people approaching me for the work that I've done with the Bruins and a lot of people asking me how I got into it and that kind of stuff. So the recognition is is slowly coming and it's very flattering. Um, <laughs> I do always feel proud when something like that happens and it's cool because I have a lot of kids that ask me questions too. So I don't know. It sounds like you're becoming a local uh, role model in the New England area. Who knows? But uh, I heard uh, Natalie became a more uh, popular girl's name for parents in Boston ever since uh, the Bruins hired. No, I'm just <laughs> I was going to say, really? <laughs> I mean, that would be there are like, I don't know, as far as hardcore sports fans. I've mm -hmm. never heard of someone naming their kid after an arena host. There are the people who get like their favorite player tattooed on their arm. Yep. I, I remember years ago, I interviewed Patrice Bergeron after um, he did an autograph signing. But I remember I was, I was waiting for the autograph signing to, to end. And this grown man like goes up to Patrice to get an autograph and like pulls up his sleeve and he has Patrice's face on his bicep. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Boston sports fans can be pretty intense sometimes. 
but um <laughs> but um but no that's awesome though you know the interaction you've had um you know with, with people who recognize you it's funny the the first time i ever got recognized um was the most random thing ever this was like right after i graduated college i was desperate for opportunities so i did division three women's basketball at mit <laughs> which isn't even on television maybe seven people watch per game but some guy like i guess his sister played for mit so he was watching all the time he came up to me in the street and asked if i was leverett ball i thought i thought it was like some type of prank like someone i knew had had you know put him up to that but um but no i don't know but probably a little more publicity with the bruins than uh you know mit division three basketball back in the day but um, you know, also, you know, obviously you're doing all these things now, but, um, you know, do you know, I mean, as far as long-term goals, I, and I hate when people ask me this because I, there are a lot of directions that mm-hmm. I could see my career going in, but as much as I hate getting asked this question, I'm going to ask you anyway, you know, <laughs> what are, what are your long-term goals? You know, what do you want to do, um, you know, down the road with your career? Do you see yourself staying in Boston, moving somewhere else? I mean, what's kind of the game plan and where do you see things? Yeah, that question is always, it's always funny. It's like, oh, where do you see yourself in five years? It's like, well, you know what? This year was a curveball. So I don't even really know. But if I had a long-term goal and 11-year-old me would have said the same thing, I'd love to be a rinkside reporter or a reporter for an NHL team. Um, I would love to be in Boston, but there's so many talented people in Boston and, you know, so many people invest so much time here and, and stay around and, you know, you don't wonder why, because it's a great city to be in. Um, so yeah, I'd love to be in Boston, but if, if an opportunity called elsewhere, I think I would also pursue that if I could, um, you know, you think about it, you're like, Oh, can I picture myself in like an Edmonton or, um, a Texas or something? And you're like, you know what? doesn't even matter because if, if things come to fruition, then yeah, I'm going. Um, and I think that's kind of what happened for me in Minnesota. And, and there was an opportunity. I, I left school, three months early before graduation to go out there and just kind of start working full time while I finish being a student. Um, but I think through that process, I just kind of learned like sometimes you don't, you don't have time to think you just kind of have to do it. <laughs> so, yeah, I think for me, um, reporting in hockey East has been super beneficial. The network there is amazing. And, and the, um, you know, the commissioners are great people to work with and they connect you with the different schools and, Working for these schools, you end up meeting people like, you know, Matt Grizzlick's dad or something like that. It's really cool. It's a great network. And, you know, I would like to continue doing this. I think the reality of the business is it's super competitive and so many people want to do it. But I guess I kind of threw all my eggs in one basket this year. And I said, I'm going to try to give hockey the best shot that I can give it and, you know, give it a few years, maybe pick up an agent down the road and and see what I can get from that. But I'm going to going to keep doing this for a little bit. I'm 24, almost 25. So I have a few years before I probably should start reconsidering things if that's the case. But yeah, I'd like to be a reporter for an NHL team. I think that's the simple answer. <laughs> okay. So really, so hockey is, is your, your thing. Cause you know, some people, they just want to be in, in pro sports in any capacity, but you're specifically a hockey person. I mean, do you have a, a background in hockey? Did you play or did people in your family play or how do you specifically get interested in doing hockey? Yeah. Oh gosh. That's, that's a great question. Um, nobody has any, any ho- hockey background in my family. So it, it really kind of came out of left field to throw the baseball pun in there, but, um, 
Yeah, I guess for me, it started um, in 2011 when the Bruins were making their Stanley Cup playoff run. Um, At the time, my grandfather had bone cancer. So it was, you know, he was going through chemo every day, radiation, and it was really, really difficult to watch him go through that at the time. Um, But he was probably the biggest Bobby Orr fan out there. He was a huge Bruins fan. And during these really difficult, dark days, the things he would look forward to doing was watching the Bruins play in the playoffs. So I was, I was 12 and we started watching the games with him. And that's when I was really exposed to people like Tim Thomas, Nathan Horton, you know, like that, that group. I love Nathan Horton growing up. Um, and, you know, every game they kept getting further and further. And my grandpa was teaching me more about the sport. And, you know, then they were playing in British Columbia in Vancouver and the games were at 1030 at night and I'm you know 12 years old staying up till 12 one in the morning watching these games with my grandpa um but yeah they they ended up winning that year and he passed away uh, eight nine months later so that was kind of like the last like core memory and really positive time we had with him and that was the time that I was really exposed to the sport and I was like this sport really brought my family together in a really difficult time I kind of want to do that for other people too. So that, you know, there are other sports that I've considered that I've played that I really kind of have worked in even, you know, football, basketball, soccer, baseball. Um, but I think hockey's kind of, it's got like an underlying motivation for me to kind of pursue that, that line of work because I'd like to see it come full circle one day, maybe win a Stanley cup on a team that I'm working for. So, um, yeah, it's always kind of been that for me, but you know, if the opportunity came up elsewhere, there's always a consideration, but Hockey's kind of been the dream. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome, though, you know, as far as, um, you know, how you developed a passion for for mm-hmm. hockey and, you know, you, you're you honoring, you know, your grandfather now working with the team. I mean, I'm sure probably as soon as you started working with the Bruins, probably one of the first things you thought of was how proud he'd be of you, specifically not just working at sports, but with the Bruins. And that's great also that, um, you know, that's a great thing about sports, you know, that when your grandfather was battling you know his health issues the Bruins were a positive thing for him to take his mind off of it and so many people talk about how sports help them get through other parts of their life and take their mind off of you know and obviously there are a lot of you know horrible things going on in the world I mean look at what's been going on in Israel lately and all kinds of different things and uh, sports I think helps people kind of I don't know you know find themselves again or you know, feel happy again when things aren't going well. But um, wow, that's actually amazing. That just sounds like a really personal connection you have to the Bruins, you know, with your relationship with your your grandfather. But, um, you know, also, you know, you mentioned earlier the baseball pun. Um, and, <laughs> you know, you did do some stuff with the, the Woo Sox as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, how did you uh, first get, you know, interested in working with them? And, you know, do you see yourself um, maybe getting the highest level in multiple sports and also maybe getting the MLB call up and also doing some stuff with the Red Sox. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's so funny. Um, I guess, you know, first of all, to touch on your point of, you know, sports gets people, um, away from difficulties in life. Nobody turns the news on to be happy after a day of work. People turn the news on to get catch the weather and whatever happened, you know, but for me, I was, you know, I did news for two years and I was like, I think I need to go back to sports full time because it's so much happier. And I actually made the switch earlier this year, probably May or June this year. 
And as I was making my departure from the ABC station I was working with in Providence, I actually reached out to a good friend of mine. His name is Tyler Murray, um, and he works with the Woo Sox. He's the, he's the main voice of you know their production. So I reached out. I said, hey, Tyler, here's my latest reel. Um, if I were to start freelancing full time, you know, where should I start? What should I do with this? And he actually suggested that I email someone with Worcester. And um, the funny thing was, I didn't have any baseball on my reel. We didn't have baseball at UNH. We didn't broadcast baseball. And to be completely honest with you, I was never a baseball fan. So I really don't know much about the sport. But anyways, I reached out to Worcester and they had said um, that they were pretty much fully staffed for the summer, but they'd love to have me come in and meet me and, and just kind of, you know, make the connection. So I stopped in and I, I kind of shadowed one day, I guess, to kind of see what the reporter did for the Woo Sox. And I shadowed Cooper Boardman, also a good friend of mine now. Um, but he was great. He kind of explained, you know, the X's and the O's to me of being a baseball reporter, but also being in baseball. And I went home that night with probably four different media guides. <laughs> and I spent the next two weeks reading through these media guides, highlighting things about each player on the roster, highlighting things about the new rules this season and the the, the clocks and, you know, the bases and, and everything. So I was like, if I'm going to start working in this, I really need to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so um, I actually got an email to start filling in for a couple of um, games that had some vacancies. So I said, sure. And what turned into filling in turned into, you know, one game, a homestand to multiple games, a homestand. And um, I really kind of developed, I would say it was one of the first like major challenges I've had in my recent career too, because I don't know like the lingo of baseball. Well, I had, I would speak to the pitching coach. He would tell me one thing. I would go into the dugout, Google what that meant, and then translate it to my own words so I could report it in a few hours. But it was difficult. And, um, you know, I, I left the season, you know, when when it finished. And I was like, you know what, that, that was pretty fulfilling because I was able to kind of overcome the challenge of this. And I met a lot of great people. I got to interview a lot of people who got pulled up to Boston at the end of the year. So I was interviewing William Abreu, Sedan Raffaella, Bobby Dahlbeck. It was just kind of cool to have that crossover. So I do think I still have a little more work to do with baseball to kind of earn the credibility of a reporter. But um you know, I work with great people who teach me and kind of challenge me every day. So if if an opportunity came up there, I think that would be super like unexpected, but I would uh, totally pursue it as, as far as I could. <laughs> but yeah, I might I might go back next summer. So we'll see. The verdict's still out as to what's going to happen, but uh, I would love to. Oh, perfect. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned like not really knowing the lingo of baseball. You know, every sport has has a different lingo. And it's funny, like for me personally, like when I broadcast baseball, like I used to play college baseball. So that kind of comes naturally to me. But with other sports, like when I did college soccer on ESPN, they had to speak to me about stop calling the goalie the goalkeeper. That's what you say there. The, or excuse me, the uh, stop calling the goalie the goaltender. That's uh -huh. what you say in hockey. You call it the tender in hockey. They said it's the goalkeeper in soccer. So yep. they're telling me stop saying goalkeeper on ESPN during a soccer game. So uh, baseball wasn't a challenge for me because I used to play, but I know where you're coming from as far as like when you don't know the lingo of a certain sport. But um, as long as you don't do any Woo Sox games and talk about how many touchdowns the batters hit, I think you'll be fine. But <laughs> <laughs> Or like uh, the power play working out pretty well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but um, one <laughs> Yeah, but uh, it's funny, and it's it's it definitely helps like just doing as many sports as possible. I mean, the the first ever 
ESPN broadcast that I did was for fencing, which like oh. I not only did I not participate in fencing growing up, I don't think I ever watched it. I didn't even know it was on TV. It just looks like a bunch of, you know, people trying to stab each other to death. And I had to <laughs> kind of fake it. So you, you'll have those moments when, you know, you're doing a sport that you didn't grow up around and you have to just study up and then just act like you know what you're talking about. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but no, but, you know, before we wrap things up, um, you know, everyone's probably bored of my social media and my podcast and hearing about my life. So where can they keep up with you? What are your social media handles? You know, do you have your own podcast, YouTube channel? You know, what, when will your broadcast be? Where can everyone keep up with Natalie Nori? Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for the opportunity, opportunity to share that. But, you know, I, I think it's great that you have a podcast. I have thought about starting one from time to time, but I can never commit the time to doing so. But, um, you know, I think it's great that you do that. And and for me, I would say the main social media that I use is probably Instagram. It's just Natalie Nori on Instagram. Um, I post a lot of my Bruins pictures behind the scenes. I got to interview Phil Esposito and Ray Bork. So I was able to post a little bit of that for people to see. Um, so yeah, I, I use, uh, Instagram and Twitter as Natalie Nori. Um, not a huge TikToker. Maybe I should, uh, maybe I should branch out there, but, um, yeah, I, I use those two the most. And then my games are pretty sporadic. I do most or, or at least, um, half of the Bruins games of the season. Um, and then the home games, I should say. And then I typically am doing Hockey East uh, Game of the Week on Nesson or ESPN Plus. But um, yeah, I'm kind of all around. So I guess whatever the college hockey schedule is or Bruins home schedule, that's kind of where you can find me. <laughs> all righty. So yeah, so hockey fans, you know, definitely stay tuned for Natalie's work uh, with the Bruins and the college teams. Um, but, you know, Natalie, definitely appreciate you joining me on the podcast. But once again, everyone, you have been listening to the Lever Ball Show. Thanks for tuning in.